Hello, and welcome to Tattoos and Torah, where we talk about things that don't seemingly go with each other, when we talk about things that are in juxtaposition, just like within any individual, some forces within us pull in different directions. We are made of different tensions. We are made of different parts of ourselves that if you just put it on paper, they may seem like they contradict each other, things that don't go with each other, like tattoos and Torah. But it is in those tensions, it is in those moments that we live. And it is that part of us that allows us perhaps to be suspended in a balance of tension. Um, that tension is not a bad thing, it just is. And the more we are aware of it, the more we are able to talk about it authentically, the more of a life of meaning we can build for ourselves. That part is very important, especially for this episode, because we are going to talk about things that are difficult to go through and what it requires. So this episode is really is about what we call grit, perseverance, strength, which always has to go, of course, with fear and anxiety, um, which we all are going through right now with COVID-19 and coronavirus, of course. We're going to talk about people who have grit. We're going to talk about how to perhaps gain some grit. Um, some insights I have about grit and about ways to look at the world, some things I've learned a long time ago, uh, stoicism uh, as a way to interpret our world, um, and not just perhaps help us with sort of gain some grit, but also sort of look at some aspects of ourselves and what we're going through. So when observing people who have grit, when observing people who are able to persevere, some people that we perceive perhaps to have strength, there are commonalities that we can see and help us understand what we need in order to gain some more grit. First and foremost, I would say that it is about perspective. That is, people who have grit right, often believe that they can be more than what they are at that moment. When we are able to be more than we think we are, when we are able to imagine ourselves is something more than where we are right now, then some of it, some of that, if you will, imagination, possibility, potential, allows us to persevere. It allows us to have the first uh, bricks, if you will, of grit. So the first step is really to not lose sight of imagination and creativity. There's so many times that people tell me, in my office, uh, I could never do that. I'll never amount to more. That person has more than I do. That person has more talent than I do. We'll talk about that in a second. And part of the first elements of recovery, in the same way that it's part of grit, is to be able to say, no, this is just where I am right now. But I can imagine being more than this. I can imagine getting more than this. Imagination in that sense, hope, if you will, in an articulated way, is the first step. And that's very important because it helps us understand that there is a future and that we have some control over how we can get to that future. The second part is trying to see ourselves within a larger scope, trying to see ourselves within a larger system, trying to understand that what we do 
what each and every one of us does, has an effect on others. It has an effect on others by the actions we take. In Judaism, we believe Kol Israel Arevim Zebaze, all of the people of Israel, in fact, all of humanity, are bound to one another, are vouching for one another, are connected to one another. So every single action we take affects somebody else. We talked a little bit about this in the episode of Tshuva. Taking that one step further, the actions we take, if they affect others, then the same way that when we do something good, it affects the good of others and the opposite, when we are able to understand that we affect others, then others also affect us. And communities affect us. So when I get to see myself within a larger community and the actions that it has towards me and what I can do, it helps me understand what I'm going through. Perfect example right now, the shelter in place allows to protect everybody, the vulnerable, the less vulnerable, the whole system. So when I'm doing something, when I see myself within a larger scope, even though all of us have to make sacrifices, I have to make sacrifices of where I'm living, what I'm doing, how I'm shopping. All these different sacrifices have meaning because I understand how it relates to the larger good and how it relates to the larger community. And this will be true even after this pandemic. The question becomes, what is the higher purpose? What is the greater goal? One example about this higher purpose is that let's say a builder. A builder can just build a building, and let's say that building is a synagogue. He could say, I'm building a synagogue, and that's one aspect. Or he can see it as, I'm building a house of worship, a house of God. Both are true, but one of them gives him more purpose. So when you do something, can you look at it through a higher purpose lens? Can it mean more? Another thing that most people with grit will tell you or you can observe from people with grit is that people with grit have sustained effort. They continue doing the same thing. We've talked about this a million times already about how it's important to choose something and do it over and over and over again. Perseverance, discipline is part of grit. The reason why it's part of grit and the reason why a lot of these people are successful is not because of talent, but because of that effort. I don't think we've been this explicit about it before. But in that sense, when you put in effort over and over and over again, it allows you to make incremental changes. It allows you to actually be better the next time you do something. And when you put that mindset, I will do something, and I will get better at it. Even if it's small incremental the next day, the next week, the next month. The more effort you put into it, the more it builds grit and resilience and strength. If you put talent versus effort, effort almost always will win out. Yes, there are people who are very talented. But without effort, without hard work, that talent can many times be wasted. I'm sure many of us know a lot of people who are very talented. But those people 
who don't put in the work cannot reach the potential of who they are through that talent. They have to put in the effort. The good news about this is that grit, stamina, perseverance, strength, and indeed success have nothing to do with intelligence or talent. It's just one of those things that being human allows you to be. You can be better tomorrow than you are today. And if you continue on that path, one day at a time, if you will, then you are able to build that strength and to build that grit. As you build that grit, as you build that strength, you can use it as a muscle, if you will, for all the different times we have to just keep going on. You don't have to go through a large tragedy to actually understand that hard work and discipline and grit comes from our ability to face ourselves, from our abilities to face our fear, for example. There's a beautiful tradition um, from the Talmud about perhaps the first two people who were ever alone and the first two people who were afraid. The Talmud, in tractate Avodah Zarah, says, Our masters taught, when Adam, on the day of his creation, saw the sun sinking in the sky before him, he said, Woe is me, because I acted offensively, the world is darkening for me and is about to return to darkness and desolation. Indeed, this is the death that heaven has decreed for me. So he sat down to fast and to weep throughout the night, while Eve wept beside him. But when the dawn began slowly rising like a column, he said, Such is the way of nature, and then proceeded to offer up an ox as a sacrifice. So imagine Adam and Eve on that first Friday night. They were just created. They've never seen darkness. This is the Garden of Eden, right? There's no lampposts. Um, there's no cities around. There's no candles yet. So it's complete, complete darkness. Thick darkness that you can't see. And he's never seen it before. Neither has she. And he's afraid. He's petrified. He thinks he's going to die. Can you blame him? He thinks he's going to perish and he doesn't know what to do and he cries and he fasts and he just sits there and just waiting for that inevitable moment of just death. But of course, it's just night. And as he waits, the sun rises and he understands that this is nature. This is how it's going to be. So he's filled with gratitude and he offers a sacrifice. Fear is natural especially when we are facing things of unknown proportions. Fear is natural facing things that we don't have any experience with. Unknowns, unknown situation, new experiences. It's perfectly normal. So what do we do when we need to actually go through that fear, through those challenges, through those struggles? And we all feel it, whether it is right now for all of us or in general. There's no hierarchy of pain. Everybody has fear. Everybody has insecurities. Everybody has anxieties. And if somebody tells you they don't, they're lying. Because part of being human, part of the human condition is going through those feelings. And that's okay. The connection between those two is 
how do we find that perseverance, right? And how do we create those efforts that those combined with a new element that I'm putting into this concept of grit, which is finding something of your passion, finding something that you can hold on to, learning something new about something. For us to have grit, we have to spend time finding out what we are interested in. A passion, a hobby, a question, or perhaps a project. It requires us to be fascinated with something, to have a question we can go back to, to have something we can explore, something we want to get to the end of if there is an end. That something that we explore has to be something for a while and something that we enjoy that exploration and perhaps even the failures along the way of that exploration. So now you know. But as you know, knowledge is not enough to change behavior. We have to have some actions. We have to do something about it. One of the approaches that I bring to this is some text that I've learned a long time ago, but really a reflection of a way of life that has long gone and perhaps um, has lost some of its luster. But its concepts are part of many, many spiritual traditions. Um, the easiest way to talk about them is through the Stoics, the old Stoics. The old Stoics offered us four dimensions, four values that they really believed are at the core of strength, that they really believe are at the core of what makes a quote-unquote good person. This approach that I offer is a combination of some of those ideals and some of things that I've learned also throughout life in yeshiva. These are mine, and you may choose to have different ones. You may choose to have different values than mine, but values are tangible assets. They're not just these ideals, or I guess they can just be these ideals, but if they're not tangible, if you can't live by them, then I'm not exactly sure what they're good for. I really believe that sort of in order for them to be meaningful and to help us in our life, they have to be more tangible. So what I would do, what I would suggest is you choose what they are. And again, you may choose mine or others and put them down on cards, write them down. We can refer to the end as to what to do with those cards. But the point is that they have to be tangible for me. The ones for the old stories were prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. If you will, in modern day terms, wisdom, morality, moderation, and courage. So the first dimension, the first value, wisdom or prudence. They're slightly different things. Wisdom, as they mean it, is knowing between good and bad. Or the nature of good and bad. Understanding in different things and knowing what would be appropriate action. So I don't particularly believe in good and bad as judgmental terms, but we'll get to that later perhaps. But in that sense, our ability to look at life and at life's situation and understanding the consequences of our actions, understanding how our actions affect others and understand how each consequence takes us in different direction, that for me is wisdom. Some translate this as prudence. 
And in Judaism, we have a saying, who is a wise person? A wise person is a person who sees and understands what is to become, who can see what will come out of what we do or what we say. In recovery, we call it sometimes playing the tape out. Imagine, you feel bad, there's some emotions you're going through, shame, guilt, attached perhaps. You don't want to live in it, in that muck. So you want to do something. You want to go and try and alleviate that feeling perhaps. And for some it's taking a drink or use. For some it's maybe eating or bench eating, having cake or whatever. And it's not bad by itself, we'll talk about that too. But you go for that behavior that sort of you think makes you feel good. So then the question is, then what? Do you feel better? Maybe for a minute. But then what? And then what? You have to play the tape all the way out. Until you realize that when you don't make the right choice, very often you end up exactly where you started. So the first dimension, this first value, is our ability to see and understand and put ourselves into the situations we are going through and observing. So knowing good and bad, if you will, knowing the different forks on the, of the road is the first dimension of understanding the consequences of what we feel, what we think, and definitely what we do. The second dimension or the second value, of course, is justice or morality. Or as I prefer it, righteousness. So I'd say it boils down to do the right thing. Or as the big book says, do the next right thing. The old definition of this particular value is it is the knowledge of the distribution of proper value to each person or fair distribution. I'd say it reflects a truth of something I was talking about before, which is that we are all part of the same human condition. And in that sense, we all have the same value as humans. And because of that, we should treat others the way we want to be treated, which is, of course, the golden rule. But I want to add a different aspect to that that perhaps ties it together, which is when we understand that we are all similar, and then when we understand we all have intrinsic value as humans, it becomes easier for us to understand that we all feel the same. And when we do that, it becomes easier than to do the right thing for others and for ourselves. If I get to see you as human as I am, it's harder for me to put a label on you or see you as something that's separate from me. If I see you as a person who loves, who suffers, who thinks, it's much harder for me to ignore that when people or even myself tries to put a label on you as something else. All I get to see is the human. And if I do that, I am able to choose how to act better. Morality is ever-changing. Morality is what we humans find is the norms, the mores of the time, which is the right way to do things. So for me, true morality comes when I look at others in the eye and I see that they are just like me and therefore deserve to be treated 
just like me. I often talk about this time in my office where um, a person walked in straight out of jail for 22 years, um, murder accounts, big guy, physically you would think very menacing. The, the guy that your grandmother always warned you about. And he walks into my office and I look into his eyes and all I see is a frightened boy. All I see is a person who doesn't know what to do, who is facing a new reality for himself. And any fear that I might have had, which I really didn't, any of that fear dissipated immediately. Because when we get to see that inside our soul, when we get to stop, as I learned from Harriet Rosetto, to stop referring to the connection between people as role to soul, but rather as soul to soul, person to person, it becomes a lot easier and perhaps even impossible to see the other person not the same way that I see myself. The next value, the next dimension, temperance, moderation. So in our tradition, there's a concept of measure for measure, midah keneged midah. Every force has a counterforce. And it suggests balance. And as I said at the beginning, talking about tension, the result of that tension is balance. And in fact, I believe that the only way to move forward in life, any growth, requires balance and requires tension. So imagine a motorcycle. If it doesn't go forward, it falls. I learned that very young watching a movie. I think it was called Les Aventures de Rabbi Jacob. Moderation allows us to sometimes indulge, of course. Enjoy a cheat day or a bite of something. Something we should not have too much of. That also is moderation. But it requires attention if we want to do that, to just take a bite. It requires really feeling and enjoying that moment without chasing the next one. It requires great spiritual practice. Perhaps we'll have more on that on a different podcast. So then perhaps the most important thing in balance and in moderation is our ability to discern between want and need and not to confuse the two. The balance of those two. Things that we want versus things that we actually need. It's okay to want. It's okay to want more. That's totally fine. And even to achieve it. But it is not okay, quote-unquote, to confuse it with need. Because need is something that requires the very basic elements of what we need to sustain ourselves. And want is everything on top of it. If we confuse them, we get off balance. That's not moderation. That's not a real tension because one tension will always lead to one way and it will always win. So we have to be aware and we have to try and find that balance and try and find the moderation and understand those two and the difference between those two. Lastly, we're talking about fortitude or courage. In many ways, courage for me today is about being okay with discomfort. 
being okay with feeling not okay, if you will. Courage is often understood in terms of war or in terms of great acts of heroism, and that's true. Courage, of course, as we see today, is also about just doing your job. All the people, the health workers, doctors, nurses, who put their lives at risk, who go to work every day to treat others. That takes real courage. One of the old definition of the Stoics about courage, right, is knowledge of what is terrible, what is not terrible, and what is neither or standing firm, i.e. endurance guided by wisdom. We have to be okay with our feelings. We have to make sure that we step into life with a vision of who we want to become. We have to understand that there are obstacles in the way. To know that there is fear and that fear is human. But to do the right thing or to take a risk or to leap always for the sake of others or ourselves or the betterment of ourselves. I was talking about higher purpose before. Courage is the ability to hold on to the higher purpose and the ability to choose actions for the higher purpose, even though it induces fear and risk within us. So what is courage for you? For some of us, courage today is just staying home, saying no to invitations, staying alone in our loneliness, in our solitude, because we know it's the right thing to do. For some, it's stepping into a rehab and saying, I want a better life for myself. For some, it's taking care of others. The question for you is, what is your courage? What are you doing for the sake of yourself and others that is beyond the fear that you may feel the moment trying to stop you from doing the right thing? Lastly, courage can also mean that you can apologize. Courage is definitely the ability to say, I need help. Courage for many people is the ability to say, I love you. And courage also means that sometimes you have to say, I was wrong. I was talking about the cards before. So here's what I would say we do. At the end of every day, pull up the cards. Ask yourself, how did I do on these? What have I done well with these values? And can I improve on it? Or how can I improve on it tomorrow? Those are different ideas for us to be able to have a check-in with ourselves and see how do we live a life. How do we build resistance? How do we build grit? How do we become stronger? Lastly, I wanted to end with a thought for Earth Day that we marked this week. The planet seems to be taking a breath while we are sheltering in place. Right, The air is getting cleaner the water is getting clearer wildlife is roaming around while we stay in our houses 
it seems that the world is taking a big long breath while we are at home. I saw this online this week and I wanted to end with that. Be like water, cry, cleanse, flow. Be like fire, burn, heat, ignite. Like air, still, forceful, and sustain. Like earth, ground, build, grow, and hold. Thank you for listening to Tattoos and Torah. We are on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Anchor. We are on Instagram, Not Your Rabbi, and the Chuva Center, of course. If you have any questions, you can email us, DM us. My Twitter is also IgaLGM, one word. Thank you again. I'll see you next week. Thank you.